I, I was it. I was a nutty little dorky kid, and I would literally coming home from school. I was a latchkey kid for a while there. Yeah, right around the time the show was out, so I'd come home. And I'd be walking up the driveway and I'd look around to see if anybody was walking or watching me. And I'd take one, two, three, jump. <laughs> just to <laughs> just to check. <laughs> I hope so you've I, read I, all those gr- uh, Green Lantern and Superman archives already. I have not. <laughs> <gasps> Although this one came in handy. This ah. is, and you'll see why in a second, but uh, it has to do with the uh, the Vladimir Nabokov ah. poem. Oh, right. They they mentioned specific issues that he his kid had yeah, read. Which is really cool. Very cool. Um, so, yeah. We, we tried to talk about this last week, but, but technical problems prevented it technical problems uh, yeah hmm. Run, running theme but uh yeah when we were trying to pick a name for this show i happened to stumble across an article about this long lost poem by vladimir nabokov called the man of tomorrow's lament yeah oh you've got to print it out Good <laughs> which for i you. printed it out this time i'm gonna read it um but yeah he, he's and i found i hadn't read the original article until last night i sent that to you yeah um this uh, scholar named Andre, Russian scholar, Andre Babakov, had found it in an old friend of uh, Nabokov's um, house and in his own personal archives. Oh, so yeah. Until- it was, uh, oh, God, because uh, I read the article you sent. Um, it oh, was cool. another famous author whose name escapes me right now that had all that stuff. Okay. Was right. it Wilson? Something Wilson? I believe so. Was it Edmund Wilson? Possibly, oh, oh. yeah. You you that sent it to right. me and where is it now? I I don't have my email open. That's all right. I'm gonna be an old man and just go. I know. I'm going to look at the <laughs> you talk amongst yourselves and uh, uh oh I'm looking now. Oh what a lovely article. Hmm. Where is it now? Um. Okay, scrolling. I'm scrolling. You you just go ahead and tell your little stories there. Okay. Yes, Edmund Wilson. Okay. Woo. Okay. Oh, cool. Woo. I think he was mostly an article writer and short story guy. Let me double check. Okay. Thank you, Google. You will help me. Yes, American writer and literary critic gotcha. um, who explored Freudian and Marxist themes. Hey. Yeah. Um, and that's where they actually he he was lost exploring those. They never found his body. <laughs> dumb oh, joke so uh but sad. anyway that's that's where it was all uncovered i love whenever they find stuff that i mean granted if you're a famous author yeah maybe we should talk on let's get the podcast rolling let's get the podcast rolling so, you so can't, yeah edmund wilson was uh friend really good friends with uh nabokov apparently and they would send each other letters and stuff and apparently edmund had recommended Maybe it maybe jokingly <laughs> to Vladimir. It's like, why don't you write a poem about Superman? Because Vladimir had only recently moved to the States and he was, he was trying to publish stuff in, in English and he, he had had success over you know, back where he came from. But right in the States, nobody really knew who he was yet. And he already, the New Yorker had published a couple of his poems already. So he, so he wrote this, this poem about Superman, apparently recommended by Edmund Molson because he had been reading Superman comics to his young son who was nine years old at the time. 
but the New Yorker rejected it. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, it, yeah, it's yeah. it's interesting when it's something that that uh, not considered a failure, but it's sort of like, well, that one didn't get published; it just goes in the pile, and then it gets forgotten about for decades. Yeah. When apparently he did perform it, at least on one occasion. Oh, a, right. Yes, that's right. At a in woman's college. The, yeah, at a woman's <laughs> college where the thing that they were so concerned about, which is the winking, you know, sex talk, apparently totally the audience was fine with it. Yeah, yeah. They're like, no big whoop. Yeah, right. Those ladies were, were with it. They were cool, those ladies. Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so it's it's just amazing to find this thing. And th- there was a line which I'll you'll you'll hear here in a second. I'm gonna read the poem and you'll you'll we'll explain why <laughs> we chose oh, this. Oh, and name. I'll explain the name of our podcast, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So The Man of Tomorrow's Lament by Vladimir Nabokov. I have to wear these glasses, otherwise, when I caress her with my super eyes, her lungs and liver are too plainly seen, throbbing like deep sea creatures in between dim bones. Oh, I am sick of loitering here, a banished trunk, like my namesake in Lear. But when I switch to tights, still less I prize my splendid torso, my tremendous thighs, the dark blue forelock on my narrow brow, the heavy jaw, for I shall tell you now my fatal limitation, not the pact between the worlds of fantasy and fact, which makes me shun such an attractive spot as Berchtesgaden, say. And also not that little business of my draft, but worse, a tragic misadjustment and a curse. I'm young and bursting with prodigious sap. Uh (laughs) And I'm in love like any healthy chap. And I must throttle my dynamic heart for marriage would be murder on my part. An earthquake (laughs) wrecking on the night of nights, a woman's life, some palm trees, all the lights, the big hotel, a smaller one next door and half a dozen army trucks or more. Page two. But even if that blast of love should spare her fragile frame, what children would she bear? What monstrous babe knocking the surgeon down would waddle out into the awestruck town? When two years old, he'd break the strongest chairs, fall through the floor, and terrorize the stairs. At four, he'd dive into a well. At five, explore a roaring furnace and survive. At eight, he'd ruin the longest railway line by playing trains with real ones, and at nine, release all my old enemies from jail, and then I'd try to break his head and fail. (laughs) So this is why, no matter where I fly, red-cloaked, blue-hosed across the yellow sky, I feel no thrill in chasing thugs and thieves. And gloomily, broad-shouldered Kent retrieves his coat and trousers from the garbage can and tucks away the cloak of Superman. And when she sighs, somewhere in Central Park, where my immense bronze statue looms. Oh, Clark, isn't he wonderful? <laughs> I stare ahead and long to be a normal guy instead. Oh, Vladimir Nabokov, June, 1942. It's well, a, I, I know that because uh, uh, in that same article, it mentioned that the one that he had sold, I think to the New Yorker or whatever it was, one of the poems he did, English language poems he sold. Mm-hmm. It was also a little bit satirical, a little winky. And I think that he was like, oh, this is what's working for me. And so he does this one. So I know he doesn't take it too seriously, but but it's mm-hmm. amazing to me. That's 42. Superman yeah. is only four years in the public conscious when he writes that. And he's already pegging essential things of the character, the universe, uh, and he's given it enough thought to where he's not just 
Mad Magazine, you know, like doing a parody thing. He's actually giving yeah. emotional uh, backstory and and weight to this it's, comic book character. It's yeah, great. It's almost like a poem about headcanon. Like it's a question. Yes. <laughs> He's like, how does he do that? Yeah, exactly. So, and this is the thing I love that the Andrei Babikov, who discovered this, went and did this research. This, the cover. That's the exact one, yeah. Somewhere in Central Park, immense bronze statue. Yeah. Yellow sky. Yeah. And exa- the exact quote that, that Lois says. Oh, Clark, isn't he wonderful? Isn't he wonderful? I love it. It's so and cool. That, that is essential. I mean, it, bottom yeah. line, that was the hook that the character, you know, in addition to the power fantasy of, look at all the stuff this guy can do, but the whole yeah. love triangle where two of the people are the same guy, which is not, you know, <laughs> Siegel and Schuster didn't create that. Zorro, they stole that from Zorro, actually, which was even earlier. Oh, Yeah, I really? mean, there have been plenty of Scarlet Pimpernel, too, except for his wife knew that he was the Pimpernel. Uh, but but yeah, there there are plenty of things where it's like, oh, she's actually in love with my alter ego. Shit. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. uh, and I'm sure it's in Shakespeare as well. But still, it's so so awesomely works there. And the fact that he pegs that pegs that, and he mentions other stuff like the the draft. He's talking about that issue famously where they address the why isn't he fighting alongside the forces, uh, the U.S. forces. And he goes in, he applies for the draft, but his x-ray vision, <laughs> he's supposed to do the eye chart, and his x-ray vision reads the eye chart in the next room, so he gets it completely wrong. <laughs> he looks through the eye chart to the next oh, eye chart. Great. And they go, your eyesight's terrible. And he's like, what? <laughs> Uh, but oh, I mean, fantastic. but that's also uh, because Superman comics uh, and, and ideally uh, Superman comics are for kids. Um, and so that that kind of dumb plotting is it warms my heart because it is so basic. And it's just like kids, of course, like going Superman could fix the war like that. And they're like, mm-hmm. we can't ignore the war. So we'll keep having Superman fight menaces here uh that are like you know nazi robots but they're attacking metropolis i'll take care of that you know or occasionally he'll stop some submarines or something and and juggle Mm -hmm. them and great but they just could not actually have superman go to war and save the day while you know people's fathers and brothers and whatever are fighting and dying in in actual war so yeah. it was a, and the thing about Berkdis Garden uh, is also, uh, you know, that's that's kind of addressing it too because he could just fly in, and there was that famous. That's where Hitler was, right? Or with that's where yes, he would that, hang that out was his secret yeah. base. His secret right. base that everyone yeah. knew about. So it's not really secret, but uh, <laughs> it was his <laughs> HQ. But um, there was the famous Superman story that wasn't in the comics. It was in the newspapers and it was because uh, DC felt like we should address it. How would Superman win the war? And it was done in two colors because uh, it was just black and white. But with like, I think they had red or blue, but just one one color. And the whole thing was Superman flies to a fictional version of Germany, pulls a fictional Hitler uh, out with a different name. Uh, then he flies to Italy, 
a fictional Italy and grabs a fictional Mussolini um, <laughs> and uh, brings them to an international court and says, you guys cut it out, essentially. And it's like he, he captures them and says, you know, you're just little men. You need to work out whatever is going on and stop doing this. And they go, okay, we're afraid of you, Superman. <laughs> and it's basically Superman would, how he won the war is getting Hitler and Mussolini, capturing them and saying, it's easy for you guys to push guys, uh, you know, armies around, but you're scared. You're just little men and I'm Superman. And, and they're like, you're right. We're awfully sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it is literally like three-year-old logic but um yeah, they did yeah. address it i i do love that it's like you guys cut it out <laughs> right yes yeah, superman and it, it makes me feel bad for chris reeve i mean it would feel bad for him anyway having made superman 4 after he was so <laughs> so just he was so disappointed in what what happened with superman 3 that they had to kind of coax him back and one of the conditions i think was that they he gets to contribute ideas for the script right right and i think it was his idea for the nuclear weapons to be uh, an issue having the kid right he, he to him. wanted it to have he wanted it to have real world timely weight to the storyline and and be socially aware which is very daring actually and great it is also a simple idea of well, Superman just says nuclear weapons are going. I don't care who has them. U.S. everybody. So he grabs all of them and whisks them off into space, and that's it. Mm -hmm. And then he, you know, but scenes and again, that's simple. It's simplistic, but it's well-meaning because you remember being a kid in the '80s, how big the the new Cold War was, and how afraid yeah. we were of nuclear war at any moment. And we watched stuff like. Uh, the day after, you know, stuff like that. These TV movies about post-apocalyptic life and how terrible it'll be. And so the idea of Superman just standing up and going, no one should have this kind of stuff. So I'm getting rid of it. And then, but scenes of Superman talking to the UN, I'm just <laughs> a sucker for that shit. It's like, <laughs> yeah. hey, everybody, I'm, I'm everybody's friend, Superman. And, and, uh, and they're going, oh, it's an American plot. He's like, no, no. This was all my idea. No one told anyone I, I wanted to do this to make yeah. everyone safer. Yeah, yeah. But then Canon Films also said, uh, we're only going to give you $25 to shoot this movie. So uh, the UN <laughs> set is something we borrowed. Um, uh, we only have enough money for 15 extras. And uh, <laughs> by God. the way, your costume is going to look green through the whole movie because we can't even afford blue screen. You're going to do green screen. It's going to be real cheap. You're going to see that black silhouette around you every time you fly because mm -hmm. it yeah. the compromises he was forced to make. Yeah, they gave money to woo him back, but then they shortchanged everything else to where everything it looked else. so cheap. Yeah. But again, we also have uh, Lenny Luther and we have Nuclear Man. We there's 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 a lot going on in that movie that. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a big uh, fan of. Oh, shit, I was gonna say. Oh yeah, I saw some uh, deleted scenes from Superman oh. Four on YouTube that I'd never seen before, and it's funny to say there's one, there's one, a couple of scenes with the with the kid who writes in the letter that right. they cut out, which that was you know, he goes and visits the kid actually in his classroom at school, and that was kind of you know, 
the, the kid is was terrible acting. I'm sorry. They, they picked a terrible actor to play that part, but it was a Weirdly sweet scene. Weirdly enough, that kid was then put in a cryogenic freeze and then thawed out for the prequels. That was Jake <laughs> Lloyd. <laughs> Yippee! And they did, it's Superman! It. Yippee! Uh, and then there was also uh, Nuclear Man, the blonde dude, was not... Mm-hmm. There was a first... They did. It, they tried it twice, and the first one was like a doofus. Yeah. Who, was like look like look like somebody off of Hee Haw. Was just yeah. like every yeah. time he'd, he'd fly, he'd do this. Yeah, <laughs> it was so. And they, apparently, they took that scene out after a really bad it didn't test. Test training. so well, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who would have thought? I mean, if if their idea is that, and one thing I don't understand is the idea is you know, Nuclear Man is essentially a, a Bizarro idea. It, mm-hmm. It's you know, Luther has created a duplicate of Superman to fight him. So why didn't they just go with Bizarro instead of Nuclear Man? You know, and it, they could have had a doofus, but he could have been. Well, it could have been Christopher Reeve playing another double role where he's playing Bizarro, which would have been awesome. Yes. Christopher Reeve playing an a adultish Superman and saying, me love you, Superman, <laughs> while he hits him. Um it- it would have been really cool. There was that, there's that. Obviously, that's where that movie should have gone. You know, instead yeah. of instead of that weird made up thing. And then, I, similarly with uh, Superman three, the best part of that is that I think I like that big supercomputer, which is goofy. It's so you know, uh, so Kurt Swan age of yeah, uh, Superman the whole so. idea. But it, why didn't they just do Brainiac if that's what they wanted to do? I mean, come on, and <laughs> Brainiac. So liter- I mean, I know that. I guess you would have to shell out for, you know, a spaceship kind of thing. But mostly Brainiac is just a green dude mm-hmm. <laughs> with some electrodes on his head. You know, it's like, dude, that's easy. Yeah. I cosplay yeah, they, as Brainiac they, every weekend. No big deal. There's still a little totally... green paint behind my ear, you know, because uh, it, it's <laughs> right. easy to do. Yeah. Anyhow. Nah, they blew that. Whatever. So yeah, three that's and where four name are painful from. to watch. Yeah, that's where our name comes from. It's from the Nabokov poem, prodigious sap. Basically, yeah. him saying Superman's got. He, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, so and I, it was funny. It was right before I I'd sent you that stuff, I was walking around, just mulling this over in my head, and I thought sap, saps. I guess we could be plural. I bet you yeah. Brendan's going to recommend we change it to plural. And that was the first thing you said. <laughs> well, we should be the prodigious saps because yeah. uh, then it's a play on words. And we are, yeah. well, we're admitting how nerdy we are with every sentence we speak on this podcast. That's why we're here. That yeah. is why we're here. <laughs> and I've seen some of the responses. I rarely go on social media. And I know that you're yeah. promoting this primarily through Facebook. So every now and then I go on there because the email says, Chad mentioned you on Facebook. I was like, <laughs> what did Chad say? And then I log in. It's like, oh, it's about the podcast. Yeah. But yeah, people are saying like, uh, good on you guys. for." And my brother has commented. Yeah. By the way, um, one of the things he texted me last night and said, uh, listen to the new episode of your podcast. I have notes. Yeah, he did <laughs> leave the comment. What, did, he what did, is he? he didn't, no, he didn't. He didn't follow didn't up with it. any notes. It was just him being a dick, which is uh. the default. Move. but yeah okay. listen to the new episode of your podcast i have notes uh <laughs> and i guess the new episode would have been the uh the 20 minute version where uh you you dropped out werewolf by night or have you posted that yet 
I didn't. Well, yeah, I was. That was all. That was all I was able to able to salvage from that. Yeah, that attempt. I figured. I figured that's okay. It was funny. I was. I was kind of surprised that that survived because you actually see you reacting at the end because <laughs> it was like the tenth time that my I my know, computer and it was failed. Just like, oh, he's gone again. He's gone. <laughs> And it's nothing's weirder than realizing you're just talking to yourself. To nobody. Yeah. Yeah. Your little mic's up and there's a black screen. You're like going, hello, hello. Shit. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, guess what I was watching uh, earlier this week, Chad? Uh, Greatest American Hero? Yeah, I was. Um, <laughs> I realized that in my box set, I had uh, only gotten to the end of, of season one. Uh, before I ended up watching something else. So I started season two. Um, oh, okay. And so that's what I was watching this week. Some season two. Cool. That show. <laughs> it is. It's It's an odd bird. Uh, it is. And I know that you want to talk about it because it does, of course, bump up against the stuff we love. And I do love it. I, I watch it now. And like anything that's of its period, because I've been watching a lot of retro stuff, too. I've been watching a lot of. Last year was a Columbo rewatch of the entire Columbo. And uh, this year I've been watching a lot of Rockford Files. Great stuff. So I've been doing a lot of wow. 70s TV. Yeah. And cool. um, 80s, I hadn't really dived into too much. But um, it's such a treat. And it brings it all back where I was waiting to watch that every week. Was so upset when it went away. And I watch it now and it's very 80s. But its strengths still there its strengths are the casting and the yes. concept it's like you get two great people anchoring that show and their interplay it's all about their chemistry Absolutely. and uh you know the because the plots literally they just took plots from like old six million dollar man episodes and because uh, they're very <laughs> stock like uh uh terrorist organization has uh nuclear bomb plans you got to go in there ralph and get them back the plots who cares yeah <laughs> and we know that in every episode he's gonna fly badly oh whoa whoa yeah the thing is really just about ralph and and uh and bill maxwell that's yeah i just want to see them talk <laughs> yeah and i was gonna say i mean i love william cat as well but but uh i don't think we'd be talking about this show today or anybody would really if it wasn't for robert culp Oh man, he, he tied that whole thing together so well because he just sold it. He was just both, both of them. William Cat was completely committed to his role as well. But. Yes, yeah, yeah. It really is about the the two of them bouncing off each other. And William Cat is fine. He is mostly great as the. And this was even at the time. Weirdly, Bill Maxwell. You seem to think that he is representative of the '80s culture. But he was mocking it already. He was meant to be a parody of that hawkish American military mm -hmm. personality. Just a and bit so misogynist it, as well. Yeah, and in a in a goofy way to the point where you're like, oh, no, they're not. He's not meant to be taken seriously. What does mm -hmm. matter is he is a good guy who wants to do good, but he is caught up in macho jargon of you know i'm an, a secret agent guy and and i, I work with and i ain't gonna take nothing from no commies and he's anti-commie this anti-commie that and and william cat as hinkley is basically he's us he's every man guy who's left-leaning good-hearted and so you need him because anyone else who gets that suit 
And obviously the little green guys gave him the suit because mm-hmm. they knew he could be trusted with it. Uh, like, cause you, you get scenes where, uh, where Bill's going, I should have been the guy getting the suit. You know, I would, I would know what to do with it. And, and Hinko's like going, yeah, Bill, that would have been a terrible idea. <laughs> and it's true because he would have like literally flown to Russia and just like, yeah, you know, right. crashed into the Kremlin or whatever. But, uh, so it is that thing. It's, it's basically a hawk and a dove. It's, uh, it's an everyman hero story, which I always fucking love. And, mm-hmm. and just like we talk about, we like the good guys. We like, yeah. and he is a mild mannered guy that even Bill comes to respect because yeah, he's got his back and they form yeah. this like, like good tight bond by the, like second season, third season. They're buddies. I love yeah. it. And, yeah. and, and Bob th- called, Oh, here's where I make you jealous. I, I saw him live once. Um, me and my brother, Ooh. when I lived in LA, uh, Robin got all excited because they were going to do a screening at the Egyptian theater, which is one of the nice ones where they do like uh repertory or old, you know, films. And it was Hickey and Boggs, which I was only vaguely aware of, but he's like, you don't understand Hickey and Boggs. The only film that Bob Culp ever directed and he stars in it with his buddy, Bill Cosby, who's totally not problematic <laughs> at this point. Bill Cosby was, we had no idea. Yeah. We know. Um, so post them doing I spy in the 1970s, they did a buddy detective movie, which is a lot more adult than what they did on TV. Uh, and it's great actually. And Bob Culp did direct the hell out of it. So we went to go see it because Bob Culp was there for a Q and a after it. And the thing that I love about it is like, you know, I don't think, no, me and my brother didn't raise our hands. We didn't ask any questions. We just watched and he was great. Uh, very exactly what you'd expect. Pulled back in the chair, mic up to here, like lazily this. And he refers to himself in the third person or did RIP. But but not in, again, you still love the guy. He doesn't come across his ego, but he's like going, I just remember asking myself, what is Bob Culp going to do with the scene here? He's like, uh, and, and then he goes, that's not the way Bob Culp works. You know, he was saying stuff about Bob Culp. Bob Culp does it. And I, uh, I remember asking myself, what does Bob Culp want his, on his burger? Does Bob <laughs> Culp right. want the tomatoes and the onions? <laughs> Bob Culp does. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. But uh, so anyway, that is my thesis on Greatest American Hero. It's of its time. I don't know if it's really all that appealing to people now if they're not you know yeah i think it, it's 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 funny because it's something that's been there's aspects of it i i was thinking about this last night there's aspects of it that i've seen and other, obviously there's a little there's a little touch of green lantern in there which it was just from the from the get go mm. where you have an alien giving somebody's that's yeah. very ob- kind of oblique because it doesn't that's where the similarities end yeah. between those two things but i was thinking about uh uh spider-man no way no way home mm-hmm. um or, or no is that the one not no not no way home um what was the first Far one? from home? Far from oh, the home. first yeah. no, the first one was homecoming. Homecoming, where he gets the uh the, the iron spider suit for the first time. Yeah. Right? And he Well, he, he gets kind a, of a Tony kind of Stark designed suit. Right. Where instead of Ralph Hinkley, you have Tony, you know, yeah. you have yeah. Peter Parker. And instead of an alien spaceship, you have Tony Stark. And for the whole and, movie, he keeps discovering it does different things. He's got the yeah. AI in it, and he's like going, 
wait a minute. And she goes, kill mode activated. He's like, no, 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 no kill no. mode. No kill mode. Yeah. So like it's a l- little touch of the greatest American hero that humor there that I didn't think about at the time. That I wonder if they were thinking about that when they, when they did that whole bit. Well, but, I uh, mean, it, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's like anyone stepping into an Iron Man suit of armor. Also, it's like, I have no idea what I'm doing in here. And yeah, what does this yeah. do? What's this button do? But the, that is an appeal to it. And I was thinking about when I was watching it, how weirdly unlikely that show was to take off. It does feel like a Stephen J. Cannell show because he created it and pretty, he was the mark of quality, but not like, not artistry. He knew how to pitch a show and it would last a good long while. Uh, And most of his stuff were cop shows or detective shows and stuff like that. And he has a good feel for it. This Mm -hmm. was just him doing the same thing with a lighter touch as in some comedy. Um, Because didn't he also do like 10 speed and brown shoe like back in the day with like, I used to watch that Ben Vereen and, uh, uh, and Jeff Goldblum. Remember that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, in other words, he was capable of doing lighter stuff where it's got a comedy edge to it. But the idea of it being a guy with superpowers, it actually harkens back to this you don't remember. And I've only seen like an episode a piece of these. This is 1960s stuff. When the Batman show was at the height of its influence, because it was only like three years worth of Batman, Mm -hmm. uh, you had the, the knockoffs. You had Captain Nice. And you had, um, is that it, Captain Nice? Yeah, and then there was a, also one called, was it Mr. Terrific? But there's actually a DC character called Mr. Terrific, so I think that's not it. But um, but they were superhero comedies, where it was like dweebish guys who developed a you know potion or something, and now they're flying around. Uh, Captain Nice starred, believe it or not, William Daniels who, of course, ended up being on St. Elsewhere and the voice of Kit, the car, and all that. Uh, oh, uh, okay. So this wow. is er- this is mid-60s wacky sitcoms with superheroes. Yeah. Uh, like, we're parodying it. The nice thing about Greatest American Heroes, they're not parodying it. Parodying it. They're doing it straight, but the comedy comes from the greatest idea they ever came up with is, I lost the instruction manual. That is just a great take. Especially for the time. Especially yeah. for that for that era. And I was thinking about this because if they were if they were to reboot it now, I'm not so sure that that trope or that that part of the of the, the, the premise really would you work think that quite the, as well. The the idea that he's he doesn't really know what he's doing. I mean people would understand it, I think, but it I didn't think about this at the time that we we have a, a a world of superhero movies now where the so-called instruction book, like in Spider-Man is built into the suit. And yeah, you, you yeah. still, the, the, the propensity to, to screw up and not understand how it works is still there. But the, the instruction book, it is, is like in the suit with a heads up display and stuff like that. So I, that, that, that is an aspect of the show that I, I love just because it's so goofy that you've got this advanced civilization that's advanced enough to make this crazy suit that can, yeah, imbue him with all these powers but then it comes in this janky little case with this <laughs> book that just falls out for no reason as he's walking away oh well i think it's supposed to be like an automated box and i think that the way he's holding it he like pressed a button that he didn't realize and it okay. ejects the book 
So it should it shouldn't have been like they didn't. It's like, oh, you know what? We should have put the thing inside of it. No, I think he accidentally pushed the button. I love yeah. that janky box. And I think there was the wasn't there a fancy version of the DVD box set that came in a mock up? Uh, possibly, of the box? yeah. I oh, I remember. wish I had had that. Um, yep. That box reminds me of like the Atari like cartridge cases and stuff. That, oh that yeah, I had something at the time that kind of resembled that. Yeah. Um, well, I'm anyway. jealous. I didn't have an Atari. Oh, you didn't? <laughs> no, actually, my PS5 uh, humble brag is the only console I've ever owned. I've oh. always been a PC gamer. Just because when I was yeah, growing up, we were too poor to have. You're too poor to have like Atari or ColecoVision or Intellivision yeah. or commodore 64 that was for the rich folk i did <laughs> yeah, a lot right. of game playing at friends houses is what i did yeah all right um, get, get back jerry posted a, a it was either a video or, or, or a picture of one of your script read-throughs for tesla oh, city mm. and you were re- you were wearing your your greatest American yeah, Hero t-shirt that was one and of I my, my I happy said, i dig that shirt and jerry goes yeah he won't shut up about it <laughs> <laughs> I was, it was, you know, I, uh, when I go to a combo convention, which has been, of course, less often the last few years, thanks to the pandemic, but Mm -hmm. I went to Rose City Comic Con here in Portland, uh, like four years ago, and I did put like, I can't spend more than this much, you know, Uh, it's like, they're always so expensive. If I find a graphic novel I've been looking for, I'll go for it. And then just, I walked by like a t-shirt thing. I was like, Oh, holy crap. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like, Grace American Hero. Well, I gotta have that. And when I um when I <laughs> this is the embarrassing thing. I was like uh talking to the guy, I was like, Oh, this is great. And oh, and it's in my size, it's great. And he goes, Yeah, that's the only size I ever make those in. He goes, Because no offense, but most of the people who buy those uh <laughs> and I was like, Okay, I get it. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> fat nerds, is that what you're saying? Fat nerds? <laughs> and I think he was also implying he goes, most younger fans, uh, not that they aren't fat, but most younger fans don't even know what that is. Oh, so course, it's all yeah. it's all middle-aged guys buying like mm-hmm. the greatest American hero design. And I'm like, okay. And then I said, by the way, do you have any Electra Woman and Dinah Girl? Uh, <laughs> do you have any? Because I would be proud to wear some of that if you have that. <laughs> do you happen to have a t-shirt with Bigfoot and Wild Boy on it? <laughs> <laughs> I remember the that Croft one. Super Show. Those were those oh. are those Saturday morning live, uh, live oh, action wow. Saturday morning shows. Yeah, but so, do you remember what what? Uh, obviously, you were a fan of the show. Yeah, when you were a kid, do you remember like how how much how into it you were at the time, or was it a big deal? I remember deal? watching the pilot. Um, yeah. There are some shows that that work for me from the get go. That weirdly. I like when I watched the blue, uh, not blue velvet. When I watched the Twin Peaks pilot, mm-hmm. I know exactly where I was, what I was doing, and how blown away I was. Now, of course, that's years later, but mm-hmm. it's weird that you watch the first episode of the show and you go, "Holy crap, my life has changed." Grace American Hero wasn't quite that, but I can completely remember watching it, and I remember the whole thing with the. Uh, the flying saucer and the the box and the suit and the first flying scene and then when he has to uh show up at that restaurant where his uh would-be yeah. in-laws are yeah. and he does it he he's like oh god i'm in the suit and he pretends that he's a an actor in a play and 
wacky. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, I I watched it every week. I, I didn't sit there and write fan fiction about Ralph Hinckley or uh, I might have drawn him in a notebook, actually, maybe. I- I had my own version because I was, I was, uh, at the time I would, I would be writing these, they weren't exactly comics. They were more like picture stories. And I would, I would have, a like a, a legal notepad and that one whole page would be a panel and I'd write <laughs> stories. So every time there was something that came out that really sparked my imagination, I would go home and I'd write my own version of it. So when Star Wars came out, there was Moon Wars. <laughs> when oh. Superman came out, I had Super Dog. <laughs> um, what else was it? And, and my my dog Jen was always the star of these these shows, although I always made her male in the, in the stories, which which irritated um, my mom. It's like you know, we'll, you, we'll, you know, uh, she's female. We'll so. be uh, <laughs> that's maybe something you need to talk to someone much Sorry. more qualified than me about. <laughs> I didn't respect my dog's pronouns. <laughs> um, anyway, so but when the Greatest American Hero came out, I I did. Greatest American Heroes, where instead ah. of Ralph Hinckley, instead of Ralph Hinckley, it was me and my dog both got suits. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. But this shows, just to give an example of how active my imagination was, because at the time I was, after having seen Superman, I was, I used to literally pray to God as a kid <laughs> that he would give me the powers of Superman. And then, then when, uh, when Greatest American Hero came out, I was like, of course, that's how it's going to happen. Aliens, that, that, that totally makes sense. I, aliens can do anything. God. It'll be aliens dropping me a suit. Right. And aliens obviously exist. I mean, come on. Yes. So this is totally plausible. So uh, <laughs> I, 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 was, I was a nutty little dorky kid, and I would literally, coming home from school, I was a latchkey kid for a while there. Yeah. When this, when the, right around the time the show was out. So I'd come home. And I'd be walking up the driveway and I'd look around to see if anybody was walking or watching me. And I'd take one, two, three, jump. <laughs> just to <laughs> just to check. <laughs> I'm only laughing because uh yeah, I, I I did pretty much exactly the same thing. <laughs> I will say what's weird is that it I wasn't really uh even before Superman, I mean it just the thing that since I had the older brother before the movie came out, I was already reading comics and having them read to me and superheroes in general. And I, Superman was always my favorite. The thing I, I, as a kid, I never wanted to be a copy of them just because I figured that's their thing. It's like, yeah, I don't want his powers because he's got them. And so as a kid, I used to, and I was also weird where I, it would be something that I liked is what I wanted my power to be. And so uh, I wanted to, <laughs> it also ties in with my horror love. When I was a kid, I wanted to be able to turn into like an anthropomorphic bear, like a <laughs> bear man and have like nice. the power and the strength of a bear and the fur and all that. Um, so like a bear, but a good guy. Uh, and also as a kid, I wanted lightning powers real bad. I didn't combine the two because that would have been weird. And I had rules about that stuff even then. I would not have been a lightning casting werebear. It was either I'm a werebear or I've got lightning powers. I love the idea of electrical powers. Um, and I got terribly shocked once um, uh, at our family camper. This is like when I was, this is pre-Grace American Hero, but anyway, um, and there was a short in the electrical system of our pop-up camper. And I happened to be holding on to the door when they plugged it in. 
which meant I was electrocuted uh, to the extent where, you know, it was like, oh, the sm- that smell is my flesh burning, that kind of thing. God. And I couldn't let go because you have no control of your muscles. It just clamps. And my dad tackled me to the ground. Uh, I was okay. I can remember you telling me this story. Now. Yes. This and then well. and then for literally like months after this, I was maybe six or seven. I was walking around pointing at things, waiting for lightning to come out of my, I was like, I, that gave me powers. I thought <laughs> that, that was, was the my, moment. I thought that yeah. was my origin. So I was like going, <laughs> eh, nothing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that was the same way. And with Grey's American Hero, it is just wish fulfillment. And the idea I do think is, is so is so likable, so doable. And I do like the fact that they cast a guy who is fit, but he's a skinny little dude. Um, and so it just underscores everything. It's like, yeah, he isn't, you know, Christopher Reeve all bulked out for Superman. And the idea of the everyman hero, uh, he was great. And then they just kept, yeah. every now and then they're like, now he can shrink. He he could yeah. have always done that. He just didn't know he could. Now he's right. invisible. Yep. He yeah. was popping in and out. He had X-ray vision. He had all kinds of powers. It was always, it was always things that would be very cheap to do, like inv- yes. obviously invisibility. Although the first time they did it, I was watching the episode where he discovers that power by accident, and it was kind of cool that you see that the, when he sits down in the car, they had the seat yeah. kind of yeah, depressed. The like they yeah. they really put a lot of effort to it in that that first season. But it was funny to me. It was one of the things that's hilarious about the show is the very creative ways they would try to figure out to not have to do the flying effect. Yeah. So like, yeah, I don't want to fly. I hate, I'm going to get on a bus. You know, yes. <laughs> I'm still traumatized by these flying attempts. That, that was an interesting thing is that they, the whole thing is like, it's an old joke that gets old pretty quick, but the whole thing, like gotta work on those landings. Uh, and, and him being like weirdly traumatized by his attempts yeah. of flying. So he would like, I just, can't we do anything else? It's like, yeah. no. And I just no. watched yeah. one from season two where it's like, Sorry, buddy. You're going to have to pick me up and fly me. I hate yeah. it. I know you hate it, but there's the only way we're getting there. He's like, okay, Bill. Okay, here we go. And he's like, uh, <laughs> he's watch your hands. And then he's like flying. And then it's the two of them. Whoa. <laughs> Bad blue screen and all that. Yeah. I think the main problems with that show are it's grounding in the 80s. Not that that's a bad thing, but it's so of its time. And of course, yeah. the TV budget. I think as a yes. concept and as characters, it could be rebooted. It, it, it is a good premise. I also, in that same episode, liked, because I'd forgotten that the aliens would occasionally show back up and try to communicate with him mm-hmm. to like give him, this was about like a nuclear threat that was going to destroy the world. So the aliens are communicating with him through the car radio. That's how they Which do I it. Loved. It's like, I love yeah, that. it was a great yeah. idea where it would pick up random dialogue and, and songs, which are a message. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's great. That would that be how they would have to do it back then, unless they just, I guess, I guess they could have, you know, took it over the radio and just broadcast it. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe so. Why are you guys being so cryptic, you freaking aliens? Yeah. Um, and I, uh, I think the most unrealistic thing in that show is not the suit, uh, not the powers, not the aliens. The most unrealistic thing in that show is an entire high school class full of thirty-four year olds. <laughs> I think. <laughs> <laughs> Who all have New York accents for some strange reason. Who all reason have New York accents. In, in I mean, they're clearly trying to make them like sweat hogs. Like, you know, from Mr. H. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, and Michael Paré is in there and he went on to do things. And you had Faye Grant. She went on to be in V. 
Uh, oh, yeah, and she yeah. did other stuff. But I'm sitting there going, it must have been terrible for them. I'm sure they were happy they had a, a paycheck. But to pretend for three seasons that you're 18 years old when you're clearly <laughs> 34. That was, was like, a thing back then, though. And then, I mean, well, in every show, in every show, whenever you see high schoolers, they're always at least 22, yeah. uh, at least. And then they're usually even older than that. But yeah, yeah it was just yeah. like, Mr. H. Why didn't you tell us you were going to be a baseball pitcher for the California Angels? And he's like going, <laughs> because I'm only going to be a pitcher for this one episode. That's why. And I'm wearing the yeah. suit. Yeah, that's the but whole the thing. Of her, the, the chemistry between them, and that was the, again, the, the cool thing was the chemistry that he had with that, particularly Michael well, Perry's character. Well, the fact that they're, they're uh, and I related to that because my mom taught remedial English. She, you know, uh, as a high school teacher, she taught the people who got to be seniors who needed that extra help. So like the, this is like her class. Yeah. And I like that, that, that he is so nice, so cool and he's nerdy, but they all end up liking him anyway. And they start trying to be better because he's cool. And they're like, all right, maybe I'll read some of the Shakespeare. I don't know. (laughs) Mr. (laughs) H. Well, I like I like that scene where I guess, I think it's in the first episode actually, where Michael Perry, I can't remember his character's name. Um, Yeah. They're all his, his girlfriend, they're kind of on the rocks, and and she's been flirting with with with. They Ralph tried to go kind it, of mature in that yeah. first few episodes before they gave up and turned them into the sweat hogs. Yeah, but right, right. But there's that scene where where Ralph is talking to him, going, "Look, no, she likes me because I treat her with respect." Yeah, why don't you try that? You know, and yeah, like, that's that was great. You know, yeah. I mean, that's so. that's very decent writing. They were, I think, at the beginning. I do think that it was. Canal saying, eh, why don't we not make it so cartoony and have real weight to some of these relationships? And then they gave up on that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> second season, I think Connie Selica might have been pregnant at some point because yeah. all the episodes I see, he's always just on the phone talking to her right, right. and she's in a car or she's like, she's like, yeah. yeah, I'm still in San Francisco. And I'm like, Either she was having a contract dispute where she wanted more money or she was pregnant because because I was like, why isn't she in the same scene with them ever uh, in the first pilot? Uh, and I totally did not remember this, but there's a really nice reference to Superman dialogue reference to Superman, uh, the movie. What um, was it? Where it's after it's right after he puts his puts a suit on for the first time and the, the cops take him to a hospital and they're trying to commit him to a psychiatric ward. Yeah. And they wheel him past these two, two, two guys with, you know, injury injuries waiting in the emergency room. And he, he, as he's being wheeled past him in the wheelchair, he look, he turns and looks and says, I'm not crazy. I swear. And one of them looks at him. He goes, that's a bad outfit, Jim. <laughs> really? <laughs> and I went, what? Yes. That was so I very nice. I haven't seen that in so very long. Subtle little touch. And yeah. I jumped over to season two when I was watching it recently. Yeah, that's great. It's a bad outfit, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> but they great. did. That, that was one thing that they, I, I like that they did. They, they played up the fact that the suit looks ridiculous. And that was kind of the whole point. Yeah. I, I love reading about this, that Stephen J. Cannell didn't show, <laughs> refused to show William Cat the suit until the, the day shooting is like, so when do I get to see the suit? When the suit? Oh, oh, you, oh it, it, they're still working on it, but you'll love it. You'll love it. I'll, you'll, you'll see. That's so and great. He was like, Oh God. So that, that was, <laughs> we, he wanted part of that reaction. You know, when he, when he pulls out of the box for the first yeah. time and he's looking at it going, Oh, what? Oh. <laughs> uh, but he hated, I, no, I actually, he hated wearing I, I the think, suit. I think that, well, of life. course, 
I think the yeah. design is actually very good for that. Like you can almost take it seriously and you can't quite it. Mm-hmm. And they purposely made it dorky. Um, it looks like literally long johns because it's full red uh, all the way down. It has that little skirt, which is so weird. No superhero has had a little skirt. Yeah, uh, it's but the belt is there, and instead of it having the underroof type thing, instead it's it's got this little skirtlet, and you're like, what? And it's got <laughs> little booties, and you're like, this is awkward for anyone to pull <laughs> that off. But I I do love it for that reason. Have you ever? There was a graphic novel. I'm always here to give you graphic novel recommendations. Yes, this one is an up. this one's an independent one from uh, 2007. I actually looked this up while we were talking. And I have it somewhere in here, and it's called Truth, Justin, and the American Way. (laughs) And it is, it's like a pastiche, a fan fiction pastiche. It is set in the 80s, and it's about a video store loser guy who ends up getting a super suit, which is goofy looking, and suddenly has powers, and then there are evil agents after him. And it's a complete and total tribute. To greatest American hero. Nice. It's comedy. Okay. And it's the guy who did. Oh, I don't know if you're what's this guy's name? Oh, Scott Kurtz. He's a guy who did um, a very famous web comic for a long time. Uh, PVP. Anyway, so he obviously is a fan of that stuff. The art is cartoony and wacky, but it really does hit the spot. And there is an FBI agent guy who's very much like Bill Maxwell. Um, it's, it's great. It's like, it's like if someone said, can I have the rights, please? The greatest American hero. And they said, no. And he's like, I'll make my own. I'll make my own and you'll see. (laughs) Um, it's fun. Uh, so that's a recommendation. Um, and I think this could be rebooted. As I've said, I, I, I think you could take the same thing and bring it into the modern day and keep it light, keep it funny you got to come up with new villains. Uh, well, I guess you don't. Putin is a, uh, he's, he's brought us back to the eighties. Yeah. He's, a, yeah. he's, a, he's yeah. apparently as nostalgic as we are. Chad. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Uh, um, also, uh, we can't say enough about the theme song. Yes. I was forgot about that. Yeah. I, I'm sure, I think we talked about this. I'm sure we talked about this, about this before, but I went out and bought that 45. Did of, you? Uh, I didn't know that. Out. Yeah. Uh, when I was a kid, I love that song so much. I, I wish I knew where that 45 was. It's one of the only, I didn't buy a whole lot of 45 singles. That was one of them. I, I, uh, I mean, I have it on, I think, cause I, I've always loved compilation discs, which me and discs cause I'm old, but I, I used to love those series that were like from Rhino records where there would be like the, all the top 40 stuff from the seventies, all the top 40 stuff from the eighties. So I don't have anything else that guy ever did, but I have that. It was like for its year, it was, it went to number one. It was huge. Yeah. Yeah. I love that song. I used to get teased mercilessly. It's of course, of I mean, it. it is light rock, feel yeah. good nonsense, but it did sum up the show very well. And yeah. I think that's also something that Stephen J. Cannell has always been good at. He gets, um, you know, he finds the right feel for, for that kind of stuff. Cause his shows always have really good themes. Right. That was Mike post. I think Mike and post, Stephen, um, look Mike at post what's post. happened to me. 
Yes. I can't believe it myself. I did that at karaoke once and uh did you? it really did yeah, and it really did show me um who the old people in the audience were. <laughs> <laughs> But um, Mike Post, of course, he wrote he wrote Hill Street Blues, and then later mm-hmm. he did uh, Quantum Leap, which is this was I was I was thinking about this recently because there's that and reboot show. He did Rockford Files and Rockford Files because I've been watching. Yeah, so mostly like cop and law themed shows like yes. that. So this cr- cracks me up that thinking about the Quantum Leap theme, I was like thinking about the pitch meeting for that or the, whatever. <laughs> the producer going, okay, so Mike. It's a science fiction show about a guy who travels through time, takes over other people's bodies, and you know probably never come, finds his way home. And Mike goes, like, "Okay, yeah." Perfect. Like what? I never really thought about that before. I was like, when I went back and listened to that theme, how does that theme go? I was like. Yeah, it's it sounds like a a comedy, like a cop. It comedy actually sounds theme. very similar to. Is this also Mike Post? It sounds very, in a way, uh, it sounds like the Doogie Howser theme, which was also from like around the same time, which had like a computer kind yeah, of yeah, computer, but but kind of just like this little jaunty little tune, and you're like going, and that that fits Doogie Howser pretty well. But yeah, Quantum Leap, you're like. I mean, again, it's light science fiction. It's They're not, not going bad, for anything yeah. hard. No, it's not bad. No, no. You're right. It is kind of like just, it's. It's so funny how how out of a toss off melody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But of course, that's I mean, right. it didn't matter. Yeah, didn't matter. Oh, because you know which, what? People got paid. Yeah, people got right. paid. Yo, have you seen any of this, this new Quantum Leap? Let's. I have not now? yet. No. Okay, I've only seen a couple uh, episodes. I, my friend John is. Uh, he's watched a couple and. Again, though he is a youngster, he is more than familiar. He loves him some Scott Bakula, mm-hmm. uh, everyone's favorite vampire. <laughs> right. Count Bakula. Have you been watching or did you ever watch uh, What We Do in the Shadows? No, I've heard of it. Oh, God, it's so fucking funny. And at one point, the vampires in it, um, <laughs> they're trying to invite all these celebrity vampires to the opening of this thing. And they're actually on a computer Zoom chatting with Scott Bakula. And he's like on. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not a vampire. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, it is good. And it's a dumb joke, but I still laugh. But um, so, yeah, no, he says that his main problem with it is he's tired of like in a lot of the superhero shows now. Um, it's always it's no longer a guy and his Commissioner Gordon or something. It's always a team. Team Arrow, like Green Arrow has all these people who know is exi- and they're working with them. Team yeah. Flash. And right. so he said, Quantum Leap, he goes, now it's a whole bunch of time travelers. Now there's like a mm-hmm. whole team helping him find his way home. He goes, yeah, well, I just missed the days when it was just Al. Al was just <laughs> like looking out for Sam and going, yeah, hey, buddy, how you doing? And now it's multiple yeah. characters. And you very rarely ever saw the you know the future the present day from which yeah. he came and it was i, I kind of like that about the original show that because he you know initially has amnesia just like the new character does and you're kind of just as confused as he is but this 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 hologram guy wearing god you know garish clothes <laughs> and talk on, about another show that okay the concept is great but that would not have gone anywhere if you did not cast that right and it's about exactly. the chemistry i mean if you get Scott Bakula and and uh, oh, Dean Stockwell, Dean Stockwell. Um, yes. and it's just perfect how 
how great they bounced off each other. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Scott Bakula, similar to uh, Harrison Ford. I like human heroes to where they get stumped because I always loved the oh boy thing where you had Sam Beckett always going like, oh, I, uh, wow, I, uh, woo, and having to think on his feet. Just like with Indiana Jones, he is the smartest guy in the room, but I love the way Indiana Jones is like, oh shit, oh no, oh no. And they get some mm-hmm. punch and he's like, oh man, ah, I love that. Uh, because the yeah. guys who are Schwarzenegger and that can just take all that punishment and just keep coming, I'm like, yeah, that's great in a comic book way. But I always love the guys who are like going, oh my God, I just lost a tooth. Which is also why I like John McClane in the first Die Hard is one of the best. He is so yeah. human and running across the broken glass and bare feet and stuff. I'm like, damn. Mm-hmm. Um, and then by the fourth movie or whatever, he's fucking Superman at that point. He's literally jumping motorcycles into helicopters. Right. Fuck off, man. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I was going to mention, I, I don't think I'd ever seen those episodes. Going back to Greatest American Hero for, for mm-hmm. a second. It was in the last season. We finally get to actually see the aliens. Finally, they, I don't remember gets, what they look like. They look like fer- Ferengis. This is the weirdest thing. Oh, this really? Is about four years before huh, Star Trek Next Generation, and they look like I blue don't Ferengis or, or green Ferengis. Yeah, and they actually are green. After that, Bill spends the whole time going little green yeah. guys, you know, little green yeah. guys, right. Um, and that, here's kind of where the show started jumping the shark a little bit because the, the, it's, it was a neat idea, but they, they just did not have the budget to do the effects. Well, they tried really hard, but it's and I like, will also say, Whoa, what's going on here? This is true of a lot of eighties and seventies TV, uh, because I've talked about this with John too. Um, people today, and it still backfires, but people today are luckier or people growing up with, cause TV is so amazing a lot of tv now has um they've got a roadmap they at least know a story they are going to tell everything Mm -hmm. that was done back then was wide open like they they didn't expect anyone to remember what had happened the week before because things were not available on vhs to rewatch. you know maybe they'd have reruns but that could be two years from then so in other words they didn't have to worry too much about continuity every episode could start over it'd be the exact same plot uh you could even recast the same actors as different characters later in like another season because no one would remember hey wasn't that the the killer postman in that earlier episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, so with Grace American Hero, something this big in genre, it would have been great if they had had a roadmap where they're like going at this point, it ends up with him getting the book. He does talk to the aliens and things change instead of now just reset. Now just go mm-hmm. back to the beginning and he's still clumsy. Yeah. Uh, here's my question for you. Cause I see our time is running out. Um, mm-hmm. But did you ever see the 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 second pilot when when uh, William Cat left? I've only seen little bits of it. And I was going to ask if you, if that I'm assuming that's on it's your on box the box set. set. Yeah, uh, I and can't I find remember. It online. I remember not watching it on broadcast. I think they did air it, but I saw it at weirdly like on a Saturday afternoon on TV, like it, it was a TV movie, and they just put it on. Oh wow! Called Greatest American Heroine. Heroine, right. Um, and it's just dumb. I mean, you've <laughs> got Culp doing his best, and he's Bill mm-hmm. Maxwell again. But yep. the suit has been passed to a young woman who's not a teacher. 
But is there something about the aliens who will only go with people with uh, blonde, curly hair? Blonde, yeah. yeah. They literally just recast. And she's a nice-looking actress. I don't think she went on to anything, really. Um, she's not great. She's certainly not as affable and likable as as uh, our Ralph Hinckley. But I'm sitting there going... It's just painful because you have Maxwell going like, uh, so I guess uh, this I've been down this road before. I got to get you trained in the suit and going to turn you to an asset for the government. And uh, and she's like, well, I don't know if I want to be a superheroine. I mean, it's the same suit. It's just now there's Mm -hmm. boobs. Right. Right. That was the tagline. I remember that same suit, new (laughs) boobs. (laughs) It's yeah. not good, and you can definitely see why the you know why the 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 network did not pick up. Like, okay, right. let's keep going with this. Yeah, we're done here. We're <laughs> we are done. Let's wrap this up. We are donezo. And did you did you get the? Uh, I've I've heard it's not great, but the three issue comic run that was done that William oh, Cat no, was involved in. I don't. In, uh, did you know? Don't about even that? know from. Mm-mm. Yeah. Well, apparently it just didn't do very well. Just like every every attempt they've had to, to try to re reignite this this idea has fallen flat. And the most recent there was that comic that apparently um, William Cat collaborated with somebody to do the story. And the complaint you know, I heard was that. Do you know that, what publisher? No, I forget now. Um, I'm sure it's easily found online, but <laughs> I'm sure you can get it cheap. <laughs> the, there was a guy on YouTube who reviews it. Yeah. He says it's it's just kind of disappointing because it takes way too long to get around to the the part with the suit and uh, the actual greatest American hero stuff. They did a lot of build up of of the characters before that. <laughs> a lot of I scenes in the classroom. To, I think they were intending it to go a lot longer than three issues, and they <laughs> similar to the pilot, it just fell flat. Uh, and then there was an attempt to to completely reboot it, and twenty it was announced like in uh, twenty fourteen or fifteen with another female character. Uh, no, I I don't think it ever got that far, and it just fell apart so i'm looking it up now as far as the comic i really want to wow. get my hands on that because i'm just curious uh, arcana studio which is a, a pretty small imprint but yeah it was 2009 and they did three issues wow i had no idea but writers william cat and then like three other guys yeah i assume I remember- the rights to greatest american hero are still with um I don't know the Canell estate or whatever. I would imagine, yeah. Whatever studio know. it was that made the show. Yeah, I, I think it could be repitched, uh, redone. Again, they just need to call me at one point when I was, um, because I, you know, when I was writing screenplays on spec a lot, I didn't really worry about rights because I just wanted to write my version of things. Like I wrote a Green Lantern script in 1990. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember that? Who we remember who we who we fan cast as as a? Uh, I as wanted Hal Dennis Jordan. Quaid. Oh, that's back, right. Back in 1990, I wanted Scott Dennis Quaid. Was who I recommended to you? Yes, and he would have been a great choice because back yeah. then either one of them had the right quality. With Quaid, I liked the idea of him being because I'd also seen the right stuff. I was like, yeah, a cocky pilot. And yeah, that did make sense. Quaid's a handsome dude, but uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, so at one point I wanted to do, um, and started having ideas about, <laughs> about rebooting, uh, a movie that I don't know if you recall, and that is a hero at large with John Ritter. Remember that? Yeah, John Ritter. Yes, yes, yes. 
And it's a rom-com. It's actually trying to be, uh, and this is from like 1980 or 81. It's trying to be like a uh, Frank Capra-esque rom-com, but with a guy in a a super suit. But he's not, it's non-powered. It's completely not a thing. It's just, he is wearing a, a promotional superhero suit when he stops a robbery. And then New York believes that someone's out there pretending to be Captain Avenger, the fictional character. And then he sees how much people are in love with it. And it makes the city feels good, feel good. And he felt good doing it. So he starts trying to be a real hero. And then of course it goes bad. He gets shot at one point, but I kept thinking, I love this concept and it's very 1970s, early 1980s, but you just take the same concept and and just update it and keep it a romantic comedy. Don't make it too grim. But I was like, yeah, I could do that. And again, um, uh, the rational part of my brain took over and said, stop, Brendan, stop. (laughs) No one is asking for a reboot of a movie that didn't do that well. And that was on HBO all the time. I do. do remember that. I think I I saw it at least once. Uh, Another thing where I make you jealous of the amazing life I've lived, man, this sunlight's killing me uh, (laughs) is uh, in LA. I ended up doing, just once I was called for jury duty when I lived in LA. And yeah. when I went there and had to, uh, plead, I can't do jury duty. I can't afford to live on $10 a day. Uh, and they let me go. But, uh, the other person, not the only other person, but one of the people that was in my group was Ann Archer, the actress, Ann Archer, who was wow. the female star of hero at large. And John Ritter had just died like the year before. And um, I, I went up to her at our lunch break because they like, okay. And blah, blah, blah. and I said, Ms. Archer, I don't want to, I don't want to bother you. So it's like fan. I've you know seen a lot of your movies and you're great. And she was like, well, thank you very much. It's very sweet. And I was like, and I really loved Hero at large. And she goes, wow, no one ever brings that one up. You know, she's <laughs> expecting someone to say Patriot games or something. And I'm like going, I really liked Hero at large. And she goes, no, oh, thank you very much. And I said, it's a shame about John Ritter passing. And she goes, he was a lovely man. I was like, yeah. And I told her how I got to meet him when I was like six years old. And she goes, wow. <laughs> and then I said, and now I'll leave you to your box lunch and walked away. <laughs> right. um, we got real yeah. tight after that. We, it, you know, it was like we, she'd call me over. We'd braid each other's <laughs> hair and talk about boys. We became really good friends. <laughs> no, but I did like that. I got to. Uh, I never got to meet John Ritter post being six years old, so I couldn't tell him how much I loved Hero at Large. But the fact I got to say to Ann Archer, like, I love that movie. I know it wasn't a big hit, but I'm a comic That's very nerd. Cool. And she said, That's- I can tell because I was wearing probably a yeah. <laughs> Batman shirt or something. <clears throat> <laughs> oh, those are the days. Well, cool. Yeah. Do, you, do, you need to, do you need to leave now? or is that- Unfortunately, I kind of do because our okay. good friend Jerry Chrisman will be um, – be rattling my door soon. Um, and I have to hide from these blinding rays of light. <laughs> yes. I'm glad this is recorded. What's so up we, with that? God yeah. damn. Uh, that was what we call the sun going down. But um, this has been fun. More nostalgia, man. I yeah. I don't need to watch any TV show created after 1985 anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to talk about next time? 
I don't know. Uh, I suggested, you know, She-Hulk completed its oh, run recently. Oh, yeah, we should talk She-Hulk. I'm really digging Andor. I think it would be fun to talk oh, about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. All the nerd topics, and these will be actually fairly uh, current. And I just yeah. watched the new Andor uh, this morning. Oh, boy. Yeah. Mm. So good. That's uh, that's some spicy yeah. meatballs. Yeah. <laughs> that's inappropriate. Anyway, um, Chad, take care. Enjoy Texas. Tell all our fans to leave me alone because I'm a private man. Okay. <laughs> You'll understand. Bye. Okay. See you, man.